Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hello, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Jeremy Newsom from Real Life Trading is back on today's episode. And today we start our conversation talking about the great motivators in the markets, fear and greed. And also the one thing that all share traders really crave, freedom. It's a topic that's close to Jeremy's heart. And we look at why people have subconscious blocks around making money. We also talk about how Jeremy overcomes a losing streak and the six things that he does religiously to bounce back. And we also get Jeremy's final piece of advice to traders. And adding to Jeremy's discussion on freedom, Louise Bedford touches on time and freedom in mind power and how time is in your hands and what you might need to trade so that you can trade. Let's hear her now. So often we wonder how we'll find time to investigate the markets and to become really good at this thing we call the trading game. Do you know, on average, they've found out that people are spending six hours every day looking at their phones, watching TV, looking through social media, not learning and growing and flourishing, using their time in a low energy state. We think we're so busy. We think we have so many things on. We'll never be able to carve out the time necessary. But maybe that's how we felt all the time. I don't know if you know the books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I watched Little House on the Prairie when I was a little girl. I loved that show. She wrote several books and taking into account that she wrote this next quote in 1924. She lived on a farm in a rural part of the Ozarks in Missouri. It was so far beyond that which we can even envisage if you're living in a city right now. She said, and I quote, We are so overwhelmed with things these days that our lives are all more or less cluttered. I believe it is this, rather than the shortness of time, that gives us the feeling of hurry and almost of helplessness. Everyone is hurrying and usually just a little late. Notice the faces of the people who rush past on the streets or on our country roads. They nearly all have a strained, harassed look. And anyone you meet will tell you there is no time for anything anymore. Gosh, when you read that and you you see what she's getting across there, she's talking about being rushed and harassed and how stressed out people are back in 1924 in a rural area. So really, 
have a think about your own situation. What can you give up so that you can open up your life? What can you trade so that you end up trading? I'll bet there is a whole list. And this week, remember, your time is in your hands. Hi, I'm Tom Basso, and I enjoy listening to Talking Trading. Last week, we heard from Jeremy Newsom from Real Life Trading and how Forrest Gump inspired his first trade in the markets. We discussed Jeremy's painful first couple of years trading and how he grew through them to become a disciplined trader with strict trading rules and accountability. Today, we start our conversation with Jeremy talking about fear and greed in the markets. I hope you enjoy Jeremy Newsom Part 2. Let's talk about fear and greed because you're pretty much the antithesis of that. In what way, how are the markets controlled by fear and greed? Oh, man, you you are reading me like a book right now. That's such a good question. And thank you for asking it because it's a visceral topic to me. Um, I recently wrote a book called Money Grows on Trees. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because Fear is an acceptable emotion. That's an emotion that everyone can equate to. Greed, however, really impacts people at a visceral subconscious level. So all that means nothing. All right, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I get it. Let's break it down. Everyone says the market is controlled by fear and greed. The problem with that is you trade the market, all of your guests trade the market, all the people you interview trade the market, but they're not greedy. Right? You're sharing your time with me right now, which means that you're not greedy. It, you can't. Greedy people, are they only care about themselves. They will not give money or time to anyone else. So if someone is truly greedy, they will not give money to their family or to their loved ones or to anyone they care about or a charity. They just simply won't. They want it only for themselves. Now, there are people out there like that, no question. There's definitely people who exist that are greedy. However... Most of the people in the market want what, in your opinion? Freedom. They want freedom. They want freedom for their families. They want freedom for their kids, for their husbands, for their wives, for their spouse. That's not greed. That doesn't sound like greed to me. They want to help. They want to give. They want to donate to their church or their, to their community or to their pastor. That's not greed. And the problem with all this comes down to most people think that the stock market is controlled by fear and greed. So if we are all trading the stock market, therefore we must all have some form of fear and greed. And if we're greedy, no one wants to be greedy. So every dollar that a lot of people make in the stock market usually brings them closer to being greedy subconsciously without them knowing it because they have a barrier in their mind that says, oh, wait a minute, if I tell my friends or my family that I made $15,000 today, which I did, trading the stock market, then I'm greedy because they might ask me for money. And if I say no, then they're going to view me as greedy. And that's such an interesting concept that subconsciously we're going to create, most traders, most humans are going to create some version of that in their brain, whatever it is. It's usually some type of repetition of if I get money, my family is going to ask and I'm going to have to say no. 
or if I make a lot of money, um, I'm, I'm greedy because I'm taking it from other people, which is not necessarily the case. The stock market's not a zero-sum game. There doesn't always have to be a loser on the other side. There's numerous transactions where you can win. Every party in the market can win, every single party. There's numerous transactions like that. So if everyone can win, we need to help more people understand that the stock market is not controlled by fear and greed. The stock market is controlled by fear and optimism. Most people are overly optimistic and they're financially zealous. They want to make more money because money is amazing. I love money. Money loves me. The things I can do with money are incredible. It's such a great tool for freedom. But if we are afraid to get it because of all the things it will do to us or all the things we think it will do to us, then we won't get it. And that's why most traders, in my opinion, actually end up losing the stock market because they have some subconscious barrier about greed in their mind. How do you overcome a losing streak? Uh, how do I overcome a losing streak? So there are six things that I do. I have an article. Uh, if everyone Googles it, I think it's called Six Ways to Overcome a Losing Streak by Real Life Trading or Jeremy Newsom or something like that. But I do six very specific things because, number one, you will get a losing streak if you trade. Bound to happen, going to happen, it will happen. So accept it, bring it on. I tell the market, give me that losing streak because that's going to be where I prove how good I am as a trader and how good I am at mitigating risk. And once that losing streak's over, I'm going to crush it. So what I do on a losing streak, number one, is I work out. I go to the gym. That's step number one. Just get out of the house. Get away from the computer. Go to the gym. Work out. That's important because working out gives you endorphins. It normally makes you feel good. Although it doesn't look like I work out very often, uh, I try to. So <laughs> I go to the gym relatively frequently or do something like you know cardiovascular or whatever some type of workout fairly frequently the second thing that i do is i go somewhere i've never been before now for most people they think oh i want to go to italy well that's awesome man but if you're in a losing streak you don't have any money right now to go to italy so is there a place like in your neighborhood that you've never been to or a restaurant that you've never been to probably so i normally go somewhere local it could be an hour drive or whatever, but I normally go somewhere that I've never been before because what that your brain does when it sees or hears or thinks something new, it forgets for a moment some of the other problems that you're having. And it starts creating new memories and new insights and new experiences. So that's step number two. Number three, I give money away to someone. Um, it reminds me that money grows on trees. It reminds me that money can be made. It can be created. I mean, if you think about it, most traders are complaining about losing money. They're pressing a button on their keyboard, and they're not, <laughs> that's not a lot. Of, it's not a hard work, man. You know, there's other people in the world that have it a little bit tougher than you. Like, oh, I didn't make money by pressing my keyboard right today. I'm so upset about that. You got to put it in perspective. It's not that bad. So I go give money away. It could be a charity. It could be. Uh, just, you know, someone that looks like they might need money or want money or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's my mom, which is usually my mom, or um, someone else who just would like some money. I give it to them and it just reminds me that, you know what, money is everywhere. I can go make more. It's okay. Uh, step number four, I do not change my strategy. This is a big one. Most people are on a losing streak. All right, I'm changing everything. Market moves in cycles and – your your time for your strategy will come back at some point. It all it has to like whatever. Well, unless you have a really really bad strategy, like you're always 
always bearish in the market. Uh, at some point, you'll be right, but you'll be wrong more often than you'll be right. So you better win big when you are when when you are right. Don't change my strategy. That's number four. That's not really a step, but it's kind of like a reminder to hey, don't be an idiot. Number five is I do go back through every losing trade, and I back trade them ten times. So every single trade that I'm on that losing streak. So again, back trading means going back to the very beginning candle and go bar by bar. And I normally mix up the time frame. So I'll do one minute, two minute, three minute, five minute, 15 minute. And I just go bar by bar and say, what, what mistakes did I make? What can I do a little bit better? How can I figure out what I can do better? And the sixth step is once I learn what I can do better, I go share that with somebody. And sharing that will help reiterate into my mind, hey, I, this is why and how I messed up. This is what I did incorrectly. This is how I did it incorrectly. Don't do this. Learn from this mistake. And I hope that helps. And that's usually my sixth step is I just try to share it with someone else. So this accountability after the horrendous experience when you were young, after the three-year period and you lost so much money, it's obviously burnished in your brain and you've created some pretty harsh steps to make sure that that never happens again. Yep, yep, you're 100% correct. And that's the the interesting part is most people think they have accountability, but they don't because it, it's their wife or their husband or a friend or something. And it's like, yeah, dude, but if your wife isn't or your husband isn't or your spouse or whomever, your children, if they don't know anything about trading, they're not going to ask you the tough questions. Like you're 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 asking me some great questions. So if me and you were accountability partners, you'd be like, hey, dude, what did you do right today? What did you do wrong today? How did the market move? Did you follow your plan? How was your risk? Did you get in the right trade? You'd be able to ask me very specific questions. Most people, that's what their accountability partner is. It's either themselves, which is not good, or it's someone that doesn't have much experience in the market, which is also not good. So, yes, having accountability is key, and a lot of people forget that. The way I remind them is I ask them, do you have a job? And they'll go, yeah, I have a job. It's like, oh, so you have a boss. <laughs> and that boss will fire you if you don't do your job right. In the stock market, you ain't got no one to fire you. So you should. You should get someone to fire you. And that's usually me. I'm the, I'm the guy who fires people. Um, I, I, I do really well to reach out to traders all the time and help them refine their plan. And I'll fire a lot of people because – they don't do their plan right, you get fired. And that's painful. You got an account of $5,000. How would you recommend yeah. to grow it? What would you do? Um, Jeremy with a, two R's. <laughs> it's a very specific question, and I love it because realistically, we find the vast majority of traders are in this position. And it's simply because that's how the financial spectrum is laid out. Uh, you have 98% of people with, again, moderate to okay size wealth and accounts, and you have the 2% who have most of the money. I hope one day that I can change that to 3%. That's one of my goals is to just barely just make that, make that inch change. So most traders are going to find themselves in this situation. And, hey, it's all right. Man, $5,000 is solid. Like This is a great starting place. So here's what I do. Very easy. Doesn't sound like it's going to come from um, a place where it makes sense, but it will, I promise. Find one company that you love and research that company until your face falls off. So you're going to you're going to YouTube, 
You're looking at the CEO, the CFO. You're Googling these people. Are they good people? Do you like them? Do you connect with them? Do you connect with their vibe? What do you like about the company? Is it a So step one, is it a product that you can touch? Like hold in your hand and go, oh, this is a nice product. Can you see it visually with your face and your hands? Can you touch their product? Number two, do you use this product daily, every day, or once a week or something, very frequently? Um, and number three, do you pay money for this product and therefore know how other people pay money and you know how this company makes money? And that's going to rule out like 93% of companies for most people because a lot of people will take $5,000, Carolyn, and they'll, they'll put it into like a a therapeutic biotech company. Yeah, that's real safe, yeah. dude. Like <laughs> biotherapy. Yes, the, the the epitome of safe. So I take that $5,000 and I put it into Square. Uh, Square is a company that matches all three of those things. If I go to a coffee shop at any point in time, I can see that product. I can see how it swipes my card and how it accepts the payment. And it's really fast. It's really clean. It's really easy. I can visually see that right there, no problem. Uh, and as far as you know, using it every day, I use it very frequently. Anytime I go to a store, I check out. They probably have a Square device. And number three, I know how they make money because I every time I swipe my card, they're making you know that money off of me. And I've researched their owners, their investors, their CEO, their CEO, CFO, CTOs. I've researched those people to get a general idea of what it is that they do. And I like the company. It makes sense to me. And so I would, I would invest my $5,000 in the square. And then I would hold that for a predetermined amount of time that's handwritten down on a piece of paper. That's called a rule. So I would say, all right, I'm going to hold this for three months. And if by three months it's done X, I will keep holding. If it's done Y, I will reevaluate. If it's done Z, I will get out. Write those three things down. And then you follow that plan. And normally, let's say Square right now, I think it's like 7730. Um, I think over the next three to four months, Square could easily be at you know 83, 84. A lot of people might not feel like that's a huge move, but with a $5,000 investment, uh, you're looking at around a $500 gain. So now you can follow your plan. Oh, it's up a little bit. I'm gonna keep holding it. Great, six more months later, Square's at 100. You've almost doubled your money. You can then sell it do the exact same process with another company. And during that time that you were following your plan and waiting for it to grow, you were studying. You are opening up to books. You are going through courses. You're going to reallifetrading.com and taking all the free education. You're asking about candlesticks. You're reaching out to Carolyn's phenomenal podcast. You're listening to so many other great traders. And you're, you're learning. You're studying. You're hitting the books because I've heard somewhere – that even in Australia, you have to go to like university for like two years to get a degree. Three years. Mm. Three years. Wow, man. So we should probably be studying for two to three years the stock market before we can go, oh, yeah, I'm going to become a millionaire doing this. No, nah, dude, it's going to take you five to six years of, of until and diligent practice to make money. If you have five thousand dollars, it's going to take time. But five can become seven, five. 7.5 can become 8.3, 8.3 can become 10.7, 10.7 can easily become 12.9, and now you have a little bit more money to play with, and you can start really implementing some shorter-term strategies, some options, things like that, things you're learning, and then you just slowly start growing from there, and hopefully throughout the process, 
you've learned, you've grown, you figured out how to add more value at work. Maybe you're getting a pay raise. Maybe you're doing better at your job. You've put more money into the account anyway. It's grown, so and so forth. And that's the process. Have you paid your father back? <laughs> I, I did. I did pay my father back. Um, so he passed away three years ago, uh, three years and a month ago. And during that time, I was really fortunate because I was able to uh, pay for a hotel room for all my family who wanted to visit him. And it wasn't that many. I mean, it was like six, seven rooms for, for a week. And we were all there, you know, every, every family member that he cared about was around when he was in hospice and he died of colon cancer. And we, we were all there and we were able to like, you know, be with him during his last moments. And that was special. And during that time, it was, it was, I was cutting it close, but yes, I gave him the check. Obviously he wasn't going to do anything with it. He told me, he said, give it to your mom and make sure she's financially taken care of for the rest of her life. And, uh, well, he, well, he actually, he said that that was a good part of it. He said, he initially said, well, I don't need that. Cause I'm circling the drain. I'm about to die any day now. So then he went to, the, then, then, then he said the good part, <laughs> but he, he was very funny and comical and in a morbid kind of cool, like he accepted it kind of way. And he was one of those guys, but great human, great human. But yes, I did. I did pay him back. Do you have a final piece of advice for traders? Just one or two? One or two pieces of advice. Uh, I think truly the best piece of advice that I could really give any particular trader is find out all of the bad things about yourself and write them down and figure out how to create rules to protect yourself from yourself because the stock market is a mirror of you and it will portray all of your strengths and all of your weaknesses. And unfortunately, your weaknesses will always be stronger than your strengths because as you know and i know and everyone else knows it takes one bad night or one bad word to mess a relationship up or uh, a job or a career or reputation or whatever it takes one thing that you do wrong and the crazy part is that's like that in life right it takes one bad decision one bad step one false thing that you said or did to ruin it all trading is the exact same thing and a lot of people don't want that to be true but it is because no matter how much money you have you can lose it all of it in trading so protect it find out your demons find out your weaknesses create some rules around them if you need help you can reach out to so many great people that have been on your previous show if you want to reach out to me you're more than welcome to i'll help you write a plan i'll help you create those rules i'll do whatever i can to help people towards success where do people go to contact you jeremy so my email address is Jeremy with, with two R's. That's J-E-R-R-E-M-Y at reallifetrading.com. Um, I also do have a personal website, jeremynewsome.com. Um, you can type my name into YouTube and all kinds of really cool videos will come up. You can type my name into Google and some cool videos will come up. And my cell phone number is uh, area code 352-246-4596. Just get at me. Let me know how I can help you, and we'll figure out a way to do that together. And uh, I'll do my absolute best to ensure that we can work together and things will be great. Thank you for your time coming on to Talking Trading. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, truly. You, you are a great person. You're a great interviewee. Uh, you spend a lot of time and a lot of diligence. I do want all of your listeners to know you're very professional. So you are the real deal. Thank you for having me on, and I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. Thank you.
And that's it for this week's episode of Talking Trading. I hope you enjoyed Jeremy Newsom from Real Life Trading. Stay tuned next week to hear algorithmic trader and former rocket scientist Perry Kuffman, all the way from the Bahamas. But before we go, here's a quick word from Louise Bedford. Make sure you're subscribed on talkingtrading.com.au. And if you'd like to get my free trading made simple five-part e-course, go and register on tradinggame.com.au. We have so been loving the reviews that have been coming through about the show. It's on Apple Podcast, actually, or iTunes. You can go and have a look for yourself. I thought it might be fun to read this one out. Uh, Keen Trader, we love your thoughts. This is what Keen Trader has to say. Yeah, you come here to hear about trading, but frankly, you'll get much, much more. I've been a converted fan since the first episode, and it's helped me change my views, focus my efforts, and drop what's not working, not only in trading, but in life. If you're not a fan yet, I dare you to listen to five episodes, then tell me the same thing. Bet you you can't. Oh, thanks so much, Keen Trader. Love your words. Love your attitude. So head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcast, whatever you like to call it these days. Gosh, I wish they'd keep consistent with the name, but who knows what Apple's doing. And give us a lovely five-star review. And tell us what you like about the show. Until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Training are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.